Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Crazy About Packaging podcast. I'm Natalie here with Mike and Jonathan, and we are the Cat Pack. Hey, guys, how's it going? Great, Natalie. Great. How, are How are you? I'm doing excellent. Um, uh, on today's episode, we have part two of our discussion following off of episode eight, discussing ICPG's newest innovation in barrier packaging, in addition to our XPP portfolio, which is our XPP with Reba product. So in today's episode, we'll be getting into what barrier packaging actually means, what we mean when we say barrier, uh, the importance and function of barrier food packaging in our global food system. We'll talk about the solutions out there and the sustainability challenges that come along with them. And then we'll cap it all off with talking about how XPP with Reba can help food companies achieve enhanced product protection without compromising on food packaging sustainability. So let's get into it. All right. Super exciting. Yeah. So to start off the conversation, let's just get back to basics and talk about what we actually mean when we say barrier packaging. We'll just give the listeners a very basic overview. And I guess to kind of start that off, we'll talk about what we don't mean. So when you say barrier, I mean, essentially the meaning of the word, it's we're saying protection between the food and the outside elements. That's like the very basic like definition of it. Um, so I guess when you think about it that way, you could even say that like your basic PET or polypropylene food service container is a barrier in that very basic way and that it like protects, say, like your salad from, you know, getting dirt on it or something like that when you're when you're taking it from the store to your car. Yeah. Um, but that's not really what we're talking about within the industry when we say barrier as it relates to food packaging materials. What we're really talking about is packaging that's designed specifically to protect the food from elements that can permeate the packaging, um, primarily oxygen and moisture vapor. So would one of you guys like to elaborate on that a little bit more um, just to ground the listeners in the discussion? So everybody's on the same page of what we mean when, we're, when we say barrier probably about a million times during the course of this episode. Sure. No, absolutely. And, and, and you're right. So if we just sort of like, you know, think about what barrier packaging is just to extend exactly what you're saying, it's basically the incorporation of, of materials into a structure that, that create a tortured path for oxygen and moisture transmission. So you can control the atmosphere inside that package uh, and keep it safe. Um, and at the same time, extend shelf life based on whatever the package is, the structure is, and the process is as well. So if you wind the clock back many, many years, you can look at, at for instance, you know, home canning or, you know, even in cans where you are retorting product, that metal can is probably one of the best out there as far as being able to visualize not being, not having the transition. Mm -hmm of oxygen and moisture into the product. But then you have to then expand that a little bit further into what the type of food is. So for instance, you know, we have things in the industry we would call like a low acid food, which would be like stews, uh, pet food and things like that. You know, that has a certain uh, cooking process called retort that it goes through that then's packaged in a controlled environment, or in this case, cooked. So that you eliminate all of the, you know, the, the bacteria and et cetera that's in there or anything that could cause spoilage. And mm -hmm. so by doing that process on retort cans, you can, you can extend the shelf life, as we all know, pretty significantly in cans. Well, then you fast forward about, you know, 20 years or what have you, let's say. Mm -hmm. And then what we did in the industry is we actually started developing structures out of 
thermoformed or thermoformed plastic structures to be able to basically replicate that capability, but then extend it even further into new shapes, you know, or into new products. And so it started off sort of in retail, then sort of the next phase was hot fill, like mm. applesauce and dips and sauces and things like that, where you would actually hot fill them rather than doing the retort. Uh, process and then putting that in a sterile environment um, and sealing it in that mm -hmm. environment based on whatever you have uh, as far as the material structure. In this case, a lot of what we use today is EVOH mm. um, to, uh, again, control the transmission of the oxygen moisture either into the package or well. also out of the package. Uh. So you can do, you know, it's got a, it's a two-way street. Even the residual headspace that we used to have to deal with years ago on the filling lines when they would slush was a challenge. I know that's a little bit of a complicated kind of analogy, and I probably went off the rails already because this is just like a big passion of mine. But, you know, <laughs> you know, barrier packaging has come such a long way, you know, even through where we've been, you know, with our traditional systems all the way up to now our new technology where we're incorporating, you know, simplified structures such as our Reba product. And so mm -hmm. I get, you know, shelf stable foods, um, you know, even refrigerated foods with lower barrier really create what we call barrier packaging. Right. Mike, would you like to add to that? Well, well, I think what I take from that and, you know, other than Jonathan's kind of nerdy uh, <laughs> is, that is that it's incredibly complex technology. It is. It's hard to explain, let alone to do. So it sort of leads us to, I think, our value proposition within our organization of how to simplify barrier package. Mm. All right. Well, you guys are jumping ahead a little bit. I got to reel you back in. <laughs> We're not right. quite there yet. You're right. We're going to get to talking about simplification. But I mean, okay, I think if I could maybe just like paint, paint a picture for the listeners, you know, who aren't in the industry. I mean, everybody knows if you leave out of something that's supposed to be refrigerated, leave out that food, if you like, it's going to spoil, it's going to get moldy. It's going to get oxy, go through ox, the process of oxidation, which is essentially spoilage. Um, so, so at its most basic level, these barrier packaging structures are, are preserving the environment within the container, like Jonathan said, um, you know, after the processing, sterilization, cooking of the food, what have you, they're they're preserving that environment for a specified amount of time so that by the time, you know, that yogurt cup, that applesauce cup gets to your home, goes through that whole supply chain, mm -hmm. it's not covered in mold and disgusting and inedible, unsafe. You right. can still eat it, you know, and then there's, of course, a recommended, you know, sell by date that you have that is, you know there for a reason, um, you know, it's always, you know, can only be guaranteed to last for so long, but that's really like what is being achieved with some of these materials. And I think that was a great, um, a great way to kind of like help people visualize what the function of it, it was, um, you know, kind of comparing it to canned goods because everybody all knows like, you know, canned goods, it's like in the movie with the, uh, the, uh, apocalypse bunker you right you can't lining the shelves you know you can eat those things for 20 years you know yeah. people have kind of like decided that that's a little bit gross and they don't maybe want a shelf life that's that long but um would agree you know but that's 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 what's happening and essentially yep. like throughout the course of time 
um, packaging to fa- packaging technologies, you know, in the plastic side have evolved to be able to achieve some of the same things. Um, So yeah, we can continue on. Let's kind of just talk about what, like, let's just talk about some of the applications. You know, I just mentioned a couple, I mean, maybe we could say what, what doesn't need barrier packaging first, again, like explain what it is by saying what it's not. Um, You know, as I was thinking about this, like, you know, the fruit, fruit service items, anything like that's supposed to be consumed within a short amount of time, essentially is like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not, bike. not not packaged. Right, I mean, you not know, so, right. So you know, you, you know, kind of mentioned retort and uh, hot fill, but there are other processes that that have evolved. Uh, for instance, you know, aseptic packaging. Um, a lot of uh, like the creamers, the little you know, the creamer cups and things like that that mm-hmm. you see at the convenience stores. You know, most of that is aseptically packaged, and it's again, it's another sterilization system taking advantage of you know the commonality of a material structure. Okay, so those material structures generally you know had similar performance properties, but the application or the process to sterilize the food or sterilize the the the, the container you know is is unique, and so you've got retort, hot fill, aseptic, modified atmosphere as well, mm-hmm. um, which tends to be more of a medium to mm-hmm. lower shelf life. So maybe somewhere around, you know, 14 to 20 days or something like that. There are instances where it can go longer. Um, and then, even you know, you know, probably the, one of the, the newest ones is, is um, high pressure pasteurization or HPP, um, okay. which has really come a long way. Um, and, and again, is unique to kind of like the product and unique to the application. And so... All of those considerations have to be taken into, you know, you know, thought through yeah. when either you're designing, you know, the structures that we're designing, are we making improvements on old technology, which in our case we are, and the industry has made huge strides, you know, from the early days of utilizing materials such as PVDC and things like that, which is like, you know, get rid of it, problematic, you know, it's, <laughs> it's got to go. Um, and then replacing that with EVOH, and there's a whole journey there that goes along as well. So, um, you know, when you're looking at more traditional shelf-stable applications that require an oxygen barrier, that's mm-hmm. when you're going to incorporate your EVOH, et cetera, or some form of, right. of barrier protection. Um, and things that come to mind are, say, like an, like I said, an applesauce container. You know, you have those right. like the um, pre-cut fruit cups, things like that, pudding cups um, that aren't stuff that isn't refrigerated, uh, but is still sealed in that plastic container. Um, I mean, outside of rigid too, there's, you know, think about like all those flexible pouches and things oh, like yeah. that for babies oh, and absolutely. things of that nature. That stuff is all made with a complex barrier, you know, packaging structure. Um, yes. So, yeah, those are just a couple of examples I said, I guess, in terms of this, like what you'd see outside of like the refrigerated case. But what right. you're saying is like even within refrigeration, oh sure, there's applications, you know, say yep. like um, your deli meats and things like that. that case, are still re- case have, ready foods, yeah. Yeah, those are still going to have an element of, you know, that kind of like active packaging, you know, barrier technology mm-hmm. um, that we're talking about. Even though it's in the refrigerator, it still requires a little yes. bit extra protection outside of what like the the base polymer itself can provide. Correct. And then, you know, you can start to look at, so so depending on what the application, so if you take like, you know, mac and cheese and things like that, they're in the little mm-hmm. microwave, so, or cereal. 
Well, it actually doesn't need an EVOH barrier. That needs more of a, you know, polypropylene, something that has really good moisture protection. Yeah. And so, you know, it still becomes shelf stable. They they may gas flush it, but that's a different, you know, a little bit of a different food requirement because mm-hmm. it just needs the protection from the moisture versus, you know, oxygen ingress or things like that. Right. Um, and so, and then you can go, like you said, into refrigeration where you've got deli trays, meat trays, and things like that. Generally, you know, they'll be gas flushed or something on those lines and won't have that that 12 to 14 month shelf life, not designed mm-hmm. to because mm-hmm. of the product. Yep. Um, so it does make a big difference there. And those are big considerations when, you know, you're looking to design your material structure to provide barrier protection. Right. Yeah. That's a very good point. Cause like not everything needs the same amount of, you know, same no. level of protection. Um, Mike, do you have anything that you want to add to that? Yeah. I've changed my mind. Jonathan <laughs> is not a nerd. He's a passionate nerd. <laughs> Thank uh, you. But, Thank but, you. you know, I, I, I think the uh, macaroni and cheese example is, is actually really telling the, um, uh, you basically, even your box macaroni and cheese is sold as dry components that you add water to mm-hmm. and the adding water um, is that kind of the absence of the torturous path of the packaging, right? You're adding the waterborne water. I mean, all water contains some pathogens. In it. Um, we boil it, we microwave it. We do things that, that will that help ensure that the, we add chlorine. We, that kills the pathogens, but, we're talking about packaging that basically provides the, the separation or a postponement of the pathogens in water or airborne pathogens contacting food products and degrading them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, great points, guys. So there's obviously a lot of benefits, you know, here in terms of keeping food safe, sterile, fresh you know, safe for consumption during transit while on store shelves and then oh, yeah. to people's homes eventually. There's a long journey that this food takes, you know, when you consider the the commercial food, you know, the the global food system. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it really is essential in allowing for the safe delivery of food all across the globe. You know, the commercial food system is, is, is really, truly very dependent on um, these materials and technologies both in rigid plastics and outside of rigid plastics. There's lots of different packaging formats that kind of help achieve this. Um, And it really is like quite complex. If you like actually just step back and think about all the different types of packaging and understand that each one of these was selected and and engineered with Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, thought and intention for, you know, that whole food journey, how it's prepared, what the shelf life requirements need to be, all that stuff. You know, it's not just like, oh, I like this style of box. Let's put it in there. Um, It doesn't work that way. Um, You know, and then there are also a lot of benefits when it comes to food waste prevention, which, you know, is not just a humanitarian and financial issue, but also has a lot of negative environmental and sustainability consequences. So, you know, I just wanted to touch on that because I think from the listener's perspective, if that's something that intrigues you, if you're interested a little bit more in the role that packaging plays in food waste, um, we could dig into that in episode seven of the mm-hmm. Crazy About Packaging podcast. So definitely go back and take a listen if you're interested in um, the role that packaging plays from that perspective. But so let's move on to talk about um, the material solutions that are currently 
available for barrier packaging applications. Um, I mean, you kind of briefly touched on it, but um, the pol the base polymers themselves, such as you know polypropylene, um, they provide an inherent level of protection in in most cases. You know, like mm -hmm. you said, polypropylene inherently provides some moisture barrier protection. So let's talk about, um, you know, what some of those existing material combinations and solutions that are that are prevalent in the um, barrier food packaging, you know, rigid packaging market today. Sure. Well, as you said, you know, polypropylene actually, you know, it's probably one of the w widest, you know, materials used for uh, a variety of shelf stable foods. Again, you know, if you go back to the hot fill applesauce retort containers, Mm -hmm. Polypropylene provides a higher heat deflection temperature so that it's able to withstand the abuse of some of those processes. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's evolved, right? So if you then start to look at, at traditional formful seal applications where like you're doing aseptic packaging, for instance, like creamers or puddings and things like that, that's using a different process, aseptic, because the styrene generally is not really fit for the hot fill temperatures that you need to process those foods as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what we're doing, of course, with, with our new polypropylenes is replacing the styrene. So that's actually opening up new opportunities for those food applications to be run on for traditional form full seal uh, lines. But if you start to then look at, you know, they, like I had mentioned, you know, years ago, we were using PVDC as a, as primarily as a more of as a moisture barrier. Um, versus EVOH, which you know has very good oxygen protection. Um, you know, PVDC is not a good material to be using in those structures or coatings and things like that. It's just you know, hey, we've got to move on. We've got to go into new technologies. Um, yeah, but that was used for for many years. Then EVOH came onto the scene and really started to replace whether it was in rigid flexibles or what have you, replace PVDC on some you know on so many applications. Um, and has evolved very nicely to very thermoform grades that we can incorporate into formed packaging. Um, and so, you know, with that and some of the other problematic structures, et cetera, um, you know, moving to simplified structures, uh, reducing the amount of EVOH, you know, that you can use because traditionally, you know, it was like, hey, here you go. Okay, this is our minimum gauge for EVOH, which is a very mm -hmm. expensive component, as we are aware. I think we mentioned in one of our previous podcasts of how expensive it was in the allocation, which drove Reva. Um, but you know, all of the you know, when you when you're looking at that today, you know, we we're very very refined on the amount of EVOH that we can we can incorporate into a structure. You know, so you get much better value out of that, and you still get the same performance. And so all of these traditional materials are now being refined, structures are being simplified, applications are expanding to be able to utilize those structures. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's driving towards where we're trying to go, you know, with with our polypropylene solutions. Um, you know, PET is another, you know, example of it's got some natural barrier properties in there, but to get it more to the shelf life applications, you have to laminate it. So now you've mm -hmm. laminated it. Now you've got a problem because now you've got, you know, multiple materials on a PE structure that become problematic for the recycler. So you've got to keep those in mind, you know, as far as what the existing structures were, where we are today, and where we're moving towards the future. Yep, Mike. You know, I I think about if we focus on uh, shelf stable food applications, 
and you think about the traditional materials that have been used, especially in the form fill seal arena, um, polystyrene, which is by its nature, neither a good oxygen barrier nor a good moisture barrier. Mm -hmm. PET, which is a very good moisture barrier and an average oxygen barrier. Um, and polypropylene, which is a good uh, moisture barrier and an average oxygen barrier, all are inadequate for shelf-stable applications. So no matter what uh, material you use, you have to add another system to it. As Jonathan referred to it, PVDC was popular at one point in time. EVOH has now become the industry standard. Um, we have technology that's different, but complements those things. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's, I, I think all of those materials are used and have been used effectively until we decided that as a society and an industry, we needed to recycle our packaging. Mm -hmm. And none of those materials are ideal um, with the current technologies, um, except for polypropylene. None of them are ideal for recycling. Right. So yeah, that's I mean, why we're focused on polypropylene. Absolutely. That's a great segue kind of into the next topic, which was kind of what are the issues with these materials? And you just hit the, you were right over the target. I mean, it's sustainability because to kind of use Zach Moscato's quote from our last episode, package has a job to do. So these things were designed with a very clear purpose in mind and they accomplished that. They achieved that, but then the rules kind of changed. So then it was, hey, this also needs to be recyclable. This let's improve sustainability. Mm -hmm. And then let's not forget Proposition 65, which is kind of one of the main reasons why people, in addition to sustainability, why we're moving away from materials like polystyrene and PVDC. Hey, this actually might not be good for you mm -hmm. um, to have your food packaged in. So for all these reasons, um, you know, the game has kind of changed and we can't have the same players in the game, you know, because it, they, they just don't work with where the industry is trying to go. So, um, yeah, like I said, you hit the nail on the head. Essentially, a lot of these materials or material combinations is kind of where the rub is when it comes to making these materials sustainable, because something like a polystyrene with PVDC, that, that structure can't be recycled. Something like a PET laminate with an EVOH laminate that can't be recycled. So let's talk about that a little bit more. Um, and you know, some of the, uh, sustainability and recyclability challenges that come with some of these more traditional, you know, mm -hmm. when thinking about what we're doing today, those are traditional, um, material solutions. Right. Um, you know, we, we just got back from the U S plastics pack. We were at SPC, you know, we're listening mm -hmm. to a lot of the information that's coming across. And so, you know, it also extends into other packaging formats as well. Um, and yep. I'll, I'll circle back in, into in, in, to answer your question. But, you know, you start to think about, okay, well, now we want to move into fibers. Now we want to move mm -hmm. into, you know, papers and things like that. Well, a lot of those will actually have some kind of a laminate on, on the inside, whether it's a polyethylene or a combination, or even if it's got barrier in that, that yep. basically, you know, makes that package non-recyclable uh, and, and a contaminant. Yep. Um, similar to what I mentioned on PET, when you've got a lamination on there, now you've got, you know, you know, it's, it's very 
challenging, uh, if even possible, to be able to separate all of those materials out from those PET structures to stop contamination of the PET stream. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you look at about uh, 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 polystyrene. You know, Mike's right on. You know, that's a carrier. You know, more than anything else, it's just a great thermal material, but it's essentially a carrier for whatever those structural components are. Right. The thing that I love about polypropylene is that you can incorporate. I believe Mike, it's what five percent by weight uh, of a barrier or an EVOH into that structure. And it doesn't, you know, it, it just very slightly changes the specific gravity, but still enables it to be fully recycled as a number five or in the five waste stream, right. which, you know, again, adds in my mind to the value of polypropylene as a, as, as a barrier material or barrier uh, carrier. So, right. um, yeah, you know, there's, there's lots of considerations. It's complex all the way through the chain, mm -hmm. you know. And with the technology that that you know we're we're looking at today or working with today, you know we've also been able to reduce the amount of of some of those materials like EVOH thickness. At one point in time, you know the minimum was about a mil. You know mm -hmm. now it's down to two tenths or four tenths of a mil of EVOH, which is you know again reduce you know material reduction while retaining the performance that the the uh, brand owner or the processor needs for that package. Right. Yeah. I mean, rigid, rigid materials certainly aren't the only offender. I'm glad that you brought up, um, you know, fiber and how it would need that like additional laminate. Um, and then, you know, of course, flexibles are flexible pack shelf stable packaging are typically very complex structures. So that kind of like, though, leads us to what the crux of the problem is, is it's this complexity. It's this combination yeah. because when you think right. about the recycling, capabilities you know you talked about a number five so just as an overview for people who don't know you know certain polymers are given a um, resin id code which is used for you know, to aid in recycling so pet is like a number one polypropylene is a number five these combinations of materials are given a number seven and so number seven basically is for a lot of those materials where this combination has made you cannot separate it for the purposes of recycling and you cannot recycle it with that PET, with that polypropylene, because it will lead to contamination in the recycling stream, which essentially renders that stream just as useless as the numbers. So, you know, it's, it's, it's complex when you think about when you start to incorporate the recycling system. Um, and, you know, I, in, in our past episodes, I know we've definitely riffed on that many times. Um, but, you know, this this uh, issue of complexity, the complex mix of materials and the inability to separate those mm -hmm. um, is kind of what was an, an inspiration for some of our solutions. Because like you said, polypropylene yeah. is is really the ex one of the exceptions here um, in that you can incorporate polypropylene and EVOH below a certain percent, you know, which... Um, it, it, without negatively impacting the polypropylene recycling stream. So, right. Mike, would you like to touch a little bit more on, um, you know, talk a little bit more on like material complexities and kind of our um, effort to to simplify without sacrifice to to performance? Sure, sure. Um, so the, the the one thing that I would say in our process is that we are designing materials to be used in thermal form applications for recyclability. 
It's it's mm-hmm. at the front of our decision making. Um, so we, we understand the complexities. Uh, Jonathan and I especially have gotten very close to the recycling systems and and really have have listened and learned um, what it takes for optical or infrared um, uh, sorting of packaging or uh, displacement methods of uh, sorting of packaging. So we we are focused on materials, uh, in this case polypropylene, that can meet both of those standards, whether it's optically sorting or displacement or mechanical sorting. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, uh, making sure that we stay within that simplified arena and we don't step over the line that compromises either of those two methods of sorting and recycling. Um, and, and we've done that by reducing the amount of uh, and, and very precisely applying the barrier material to the, to the polypropylene substrate to make it a better, more effective barrier technology without compromising the ability to be recycled. Uh, you know, and, and we make other materials like polystyrene, like DEP, and we can actually make them with a pretty decent barrier, actually a very good barrier, Yeah, but they cannot be recycled today in the ways that are effectively and cost-effectively um, recycled here in the United States and around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John, said anything to add to that? I, I think, you know, Mike, again, you know, is, is hitting the nail on the head. Is trying to extract <laughs> that value and, and, and you know, get those, uh, get the packaging recycled. That's, yeah. you know, it, it is definitely a challenge um, to be able to do that with some of the alternate structures and materials that are out there as well. You know, and also, you know, there's the cost factor. There's the, you know, you're, you know, you're looking at, you know, how can I reduce my packaging costs and things like that? Well, more control of your materials. I think, you know, one of the, one of my favorite stories that I had told, you know, a while ago was, you know, when I, I ran into this young lady at the uh, grocery store and, you know, she's mm-hmm. a baby and all of this kind of stuff. And she's looking at the applesauce cups and things like that. And, you know, still to this day, you know, I just, I mean, her, her words, it's like, I was like, well, you know, what, we, what do you think of that, that <laughs> container? It's just a cup, and I'm like, yeah. God, God, what are you talking about? You, know what I mean? you hurt like, my soul. I'm like, well, exactly. You know, I'm like, oh, it's going into palpitations. You know, and so I explained it to her. You know, and I'm like, you know, and then we incorporate the regrind into a different layer. Or this is the food contact. And she was fascinated. She was like, wow, really? I'm yeah. like, yes, not stable applesauce. Here you go. And, yeah. you know, but it was just such a revelation to me when you look at a, a cup, it's been so well engineered that you look at it, you can't tell that, you know, it's a seven layer no. structure with an EVOH and things like that. So brilliant, you know, technology that we're able to, you know, we're able to to capture and take yeah. advantage of into developing all of these new solutions that we're really passionate and focused on. Yeah, almost like magic. <laughs> i mean that's kind of probably how the consumer thinks of it though you know like because yeah. why how would they know yeah um it's just like wow this is magically is gonna last two years like yeah, wow yeah, imagine yeah. that, Isn't that right cool? you know, um, the, and the processing <laughs> technology has come a long way as well mm-hmm. you know it used to be the filling technology couldn't you know you couldn't fill particulates like for for stews or soups and things like that i mean you, know, you look at all of the barrier packaging that's out there and we've just scratched the surface but, you know, you can go from soups to stews to baby food to pet food, 
you know, to sauces and dips and condiments and all of this, you know, is in barrier packaging. Yeah. So you know, even if it's in a glass bottle, that's kind of a, you know, that's a very effective oxygen oh, it is. package, um, but very heavy, has other issues. We won't yeah. get into that today, but, you know, and so, you know, again, it's, it's, it's a space that continues to evolve. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, we don't have to get into the merits or, you know, shortcomings of glass. But I mean, I do just want to touch on that for a second, because sure. this goes back to what I said before is like all this packaging, it has a job to do. I think the reason why, you know, so much of this has moved towards plastics, which, you know, now has kind of a negative public perception because of the, you know, the waste factor, which we're, you know, trying to remedy with these simplified structures is because like, if you consider a lot of the other factors, plastic does it better (laughs) than say like, you know, a glass, a glass baby jar or a glass, you know, cup of some sort, which is not only heavier, but um, you know, has its own recycling challenges and, you know, can break, can shatter <laughs> in transit. Um, I don't oh, think yeah. anybody wants like glass particles yeah. um, in their food product. So yeah. um, I just think that that's a good point to touch on quickly before we move on to, um, you know, what our solution is is doing um, that's maybe separating from the pack is just because, you know, as for as much as these solutions are, are like I said, have a negative public perception, they ultimately were designed, you know, to, to, you know, provide food to people in a simpler, safer, you know, more cost-effective you know, manner. So mm-hmm. I just think that's like important to, to touch on before we move on. Um, well, it is. And then, you know, you sort of take, say, take some of what the consumer has to, to deal with. It was like, you know, yeah, go ahead and stick that retort can in the microwave. <laughs> right. Uh, maybe not. Yeah. But I can take this multi-layer polypropylene mm-hmm. uh, container and I can put that in the microwave. I can heat up my food and then I can recycle it. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's go. such a, that's another good point too, is like, um, you know, not that we're like, we're, we're the business of blaming the consumer, but it's like, no. you no. wanted a microwave package. So we gave Got it. A Got package. it. You know, I mean, um, and, so yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, it's true. It's, it's true. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, who wants to, you know, go ahead and, you know, take a, uh, a, a, you know, a glass jar or what have you of pudding and throw it in Johnny's lunchbox. And he's got to hold that oh baby gosh. around yeah. all day rather than taking a pudding cup or whatever. Chink, chink, get, yep, you're good. Bye-bye. Enjoy school. Right. Definitely. Um, so I guess moving on, now we'll just like get into, you know, kind of finish off the episode talking about Reba, what we're here to talk about. Um, you know, as we mentioned at the top of the episode, if you haven't listened to episode eight of the podcast, we talked a little bit more in depth about kind of the origin story of Reba. But essentially, you know, the quick and dirty is that ICPG has been working to develop our portfolio of simplified monomaterial solutions that provide you know, all the same benefits of some of these existing, you know, commercial packaging solutions that we talked about before, you know, the barrier protection, part function, process compatibility, cost, um, but in the form of a solution that delivers on sustainability and recyclability, um, which, you know, our XPP portfolio um, accomplishes all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so within that portfolio, we essentially have um, now with the addition of Reba three levels of barrier protection depending on application requirements. So like we already discussed, not every food product needs the same thing. So 
what we are able to do is we are able to analyze what exactly those requirements are, work backwards from the you know application requirements and say, this is the best fit, best fit solution. There is no one size fits all. It's, mm -hmm. it's customized based on that food product. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then as we went through the development of XPP, we had enhanced barrier and we had high barrier and we had this Goldilocks situation, you know, which we also talked right. about in episode eight, where not everything needed. The, some, you know, some things needed more than enhanced barrier, but not as much as the high barrier. So that's kind of, um, you know, where the development work for Reba started. And we won't get into this, but like you also mentioned, the kind of um, economics uh, going on at the time with EVOH were a challenge for, you know, consumers of that material in the industry. You bet. So, um, you know, a big part of this was the road to simplification. Reba did just that. It was a material solution that helped kind of achieve these exact barrier properties that you needed. It was still recyclable. It still had all those great, you know, attributes. And it was that medium barrier that was just the right fit for certain applications. Um, so would anybody like to elaborate on what I just said? Lori, talk about where we see Reba being used. Um, like I said, we talked about this a lot in depth in episode eight, so I don't you know, know if we have too much yeah. more to say about um, how we developed Reba. It, it, it's an in-between. It's in-between yeah. regular polypropylene and high barrier, high oxygen barrier, EVOH, EVOH uh, polypropylene. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're looking for products or we're, Reba's being used on food products processed in a way that doesn't require super high oxygen barrier needs a, needs something a little bit more than the standard polypropylene gives it. And it, so in some applications, as Jonathan alluded to, um, that require refrigeration, but are oxygen sensitive products or um, are processed in a way and packaged in a way that it's sensing its oxygen. That's where Reba plays a really good role. Jonathan, do you, you want to elaborate on the actual I, products themselves? Yeah, sure. So, you know, the, um, for instance, the condiment industry. Okay. So you've got, you know, you've got the array trays. Um, like the portion packs. Yeah. Yeah. The little portion packs, you yeah. know, the dips is what you get from Chick-fil-A and, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a very, very demanding application that traditionally has been in a polystyrene, uh, with a PVDC coated. Um, yeah, not, not, not so great time, time to change, to move forward. Um, Previously, you know, I was actually, both Mike and I were involved in, in looking to try and change that package into something else. We came up with some of the most complex, ridiculous structures that we could possibly <laughs> ever define that would be like, you know, so far away from sustainable. It's not even funny. Oh, and expensive. Yeah. So, yeah. so what, what now we've been able to do with our Reba technology is... Yeah, you know, with our XPP products, we basically, you know, we get a 90% improvement in, in oxygen transmission and moisture transmission rates over traditional polypropylenes and about 100 to 150% over polystyrene. So you've already got kind of a, like a little bit of a natural barrier in XPP. But mm -hmm. what we then found with the development of our Reba product, you know, again, you know, looking at the condiments, we had very similar to, uh, performance to EVOH. 
you know, to an EVOH or to a PVD structure. You know, we were we were right there with this this our Reva development, which is basically a you know mono material solution. You know, and so it checks so many of the boxes. But again, what that technology enables us to do is to create a much more tortured path for those applications. You know, similar to to, to that. You know, depths and everything. Um, that provide the barrier protection that you really need. And you don't need to you know, get into all of these exotic things that we were getting into the past. It's like, oh, you know, let's let's make sure that we're just focused on what the application needs. And that's where mm-hmm. Reaper is such a good fit um, for those. And again, like Mike said, you know, and you also alluded to is that, you know, if you want that 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 longer shelf life and if the product re- requires that, then, you know, we can also provide it in an EVOH. Yeah, uh, some as well, but you know, really, just just for an example, Mike, to answer your question, you know, the condiments, you know, it's just well suited to that, you know, to mm-hmm. to that technology. You know, Jonathan, when you think about it, condiments, um, you when they're provided to a customer at a fast fast food um, uh, restaurant, those are giveaways. Yeah. So the condiments, they they're you don't they don't charge for the condiments. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a it's a real cost center in the yep. food service and fast food industry. Mm-hmm. So over packaging condiments with PVDC coating or an EVOH, either laminate or co-extrusion, is it is more expensive than our Reva technology. Mm-hmm. So again, we're looking at the the application, the process, and the product, and trying to design. Uh, a recyclable, sustainable material to use for the packaging. And part of sustainability, in my opinion, is cost effectiveness. And Reba mm-hmm. is incredibly cost effective relative to the other options that are essentially over-engineered for that application. Yep. I love that point because um, you're so right. I agree with you. If it's not cost effective, not sustainable let's like consider what some of the other definitions of sustainable means i mean i mean it's something that has longevity that you can do for a long time if something is exorbitant in terms of cost it's just not going to be a good business decision for a company so i mean i think that's probably what i think we're doing a couple different things with this material first of all like we touched on before we're designing with recyclability in mind you know Mm -hmm. in the past things were before sustainability was as big of a um you know industry consideration, um, we're maybe just designing for function first, for, you know, application performance, you know, things like that in mind first. Of course, you can't disregard that, but now we're also including sustainability and recyclability as one of those top considerations that's, you know, the baseline we need to achieve this, um, when we're developing a new solution. So I'd say we're doing that differently, but then, you know, we're also considering costs. So like, I think a lot of people um, like to pretend like cost isn't a factor when it comes to sustainability and recyclability, maybe because it doesn't seem, it seems in conflict with, you know, the virtue, the virtuous aspect of um, mm-hmm. making sustainable packaging is, you know, like the evil corporate, the, the evil corporate, uh, you know, greed and whatnot. Yeah. Four letter word. Yeah, exactly. It's a good, right. you know, it, so it seems like in conflict, but it, but it's a reality. You can't, you can't have one right. without the it other. Is. It's just not gonna, yep. it's not gonna work long time, long term. And I think, 
accepting that is what is going to open the door kind of for really achieving some of these goals. Um, mm -hmm. So with that, I mean, is there anything else, um, any other applications you want to touch on that we're considering? Anything else that you want to say in terms of Reba, XPP, ICPG? Well, I, I think I think one what of the- we had for lunch today? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. What I'm going to have for lunch today. <laughs> um, you, you know, I can't stress enough, you know, about you know the dynamics that are happening within you know the materials in the sustainability and bringing it all together is that again you know you know Formful Seal has been a terrific vehicle for so many different shelf stable applications but it's been constrained what we've been able to do with Reba is we've been able to open up those constraints and enable the food processors who have got incredible challenges, you know, that they have to face. Um, but it's being able to open them up, like you said, with a cost-effective, high-performance, um, engineered uh, solution that checks so many of the boxes because you can now run that on Formful Seal and take advantage of all of the processing that you can do with a polypropylene structure, which, again, has been a challenge in the past. Yep. You know, even outside of form fill CFO and in traditional thermoform packages for yep. deli yeah. meats, lunch kits, spreadables, um, yeah. case-ready meats, um, yeah. where some segments of case-ready meats are already packaged with an oxygen barrier. And Revo just makes a lot more sense than the over-engineered system that, that's there today. Um, so, right. again, it's sensitive foods, oxygen sensitive foods that are refrigerated, I think are mm. right in the sweet spot for Reba. Perfect closing remarks. I agree with that. I think there's tremendous opportunity in that area as well. So anyway, thank you so much for everyone who joined in. That's our episode today. Um, next month, we are going to be talking about ways in which the industry is addressing food packaging waste with the circular economy. And we are hopefully going to have a very knowledgeable and interesting guest on for that one. Um, so in the meantime, for more information about us, you can visit our website at www.icpg.co. If you'd like to take a part in the conversation, follow us on social media at ICPG on LinkedIn and ICPG Co. on Instagram and Twitter, or email us at ICPG at impactgroup.co. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, you can listen to our podcast on our website and on all major podcast channels. We hope you enjoyed getting a little crazy about packaging with us, and we'll talk to you next month. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.